This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Good evening. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. It is my honor and pleasure to educate you about all things health related. And this week in fame and fortune, we've had tragedy and the inability to triumph over it. It breaks our hearts. Listener discretion is advised on this program tonight. We're going to be talking about some very challenging subjects. I like to provide you with information that is evidence-informed, backed by science, that where clinical trials have been done, so that you can have the best treatment options out there, so that you can make an informed decision. Please remember that whatever you hear on this program, it is always good to go back to your own doctor and talk about your issues or your nurse practitioner. Talk about the issues that you're having so that you can be well informed because everybody's story is a personal one. Tonight on the program, we're going to be talking about barbershop health. Uh, you know what? Are we going to deliver our health care in different venues? Yeah, there's a study that suggests that. How about having it all? And what does having it all mean? How about gratitude? How do we raise our children in an era of instant gratification and excess? We're also going to be talking about hepatitis C and some of the latest revelations from a recent research study. But tonight we're focusing a little bit on mental illness, what it means, what happens, what happens when it goes undetected, what are the things that are contributing to that? And I want to focus right now on the devastating news this week that Anthony Bourdain, a lover of food and educating us about culture and people's lives, has died by suicide. I do hope you've put the kitties to bed. This can be a difficult subject, but it's also very important to have these conversations with people who might be suffering. It's You're not going to put the idea into somebody's head that they will die by suicide. They need to talk about it. They need to get help. They need support. You need to be near them. Suicide rates are up by 28% in North America over about the last 15 years. Now, some of that is related to the fact that we have more awareness around it. But also, some of that is related to the fact that life is getting harder, not easier. And it's not just mental illness, potentially, that is causing some of the increased rates of death by suicide in this country and beyond. And it's the rates are up, interestingly enough, in every single demographic. It's the third highest reason for death in the U.S., it's a very important subject that we need to have a dialogue around. Of course, I'll be talking a little bit later on in the program about Kate Spade as well. And there was a reference to relationship issues. And it's not uncommon because life is getting harder. We have these, we're trying to manage so much. We have so many balls in the air. We want to be the perfect wife and the perfect mother and the, and the perfect husband and the perfect and earn the most money. And, but what we're seeing in some of these deaths by suicide is that people who have had a, an issue in life, a significant issue, a divorce, loss of a relationship, the death of a loved one, loss of a job, 
uh, other factors are contributing problems with children, relationship issues. We have stigma around that as well. We not only stigmatize mental illness, we also stigmatize those normal life issues like my Perhaps your husband has had an extramarital affair. You live with that shame. You live with that secret, potentially. You, it, it eats away. If you're a person who is prone to depression, it's just another contributing factor that may make you or put you at risk for death by suicide. Also, um, you know, I said to a patient this week, uh, Anthony Bourdain uh, died by suicide, and, and this gentleman is, is prone to depression. He looks at life with the glass half empty all the time. He has trouble with gratitude. He's in his mid-40s, and nothing seems to go his way ever, according to him. But you know what? He's actually quite fortunate. He actually uh, is has, has a lot going on for him. But you know what? I can see that, but it's more important that he is able to see that. And he said, wow, that guy had it all. You know what? Sometimes you have it all and you have mental illness and problems in life as well. And that's just the reality. And we need to open up this conversation, crack open this conversation, support one another. You know what? Everybody has troubles in life. I remember a physician friend of mine was going through a very tough divorce. And he said one of his closest friends had gone through similar issues that he had gone through in his relationship. And he could see he was suffering. And his male friend never told him about his issues. Do you know what it's like when someone says, hey, buddy, I know what's going on. I face the same stuff. You'll get through it. There is so much power in that. On the other end of the spectrum, I was driving to work one day this week, and I was driving over a bridge. <laughs> so we were going a little bit slow. There's a bit, little bit of traffic. And I felt or I could see this man just waving his arms and screaming at his child who is about 22 years old. And I, you know, typically I would actually give a look, tell him to stop. (laughs) I'm not shy like that because that kind of thing just drives me crazy. And sometimes you can just stop people from doing that. I, I, I one time witnessed a man screaming at his wife on the street and I just said, stop it. And he said, and he was started to be so nice to me and she was cowering, but then you could see the relief in her eyes and she just a little twinkle in her eyes too, like, thank you. And he said, oh, no, no, you misunderstood. I said, I misunderstood nothing. I saw what you were doing. I stood here and watched. I, hopefully, you know, I don't know if I, I hope I didn't hurt the situation, but hopefully my intention was to help the situation. Sometimes you can stop it. So back to the fellow driving with his son. And how do I know it was his son? Because further down the commute, we were actually next to each other. And I turned and I looked and I knew the guy. And I knew the guy had gone through a painful divorce. I knew that he had suffered with anxiety and depression and substance use and abuse issues. And I also knew that he had been sexually abused as a child. And likely some of those issues uh, were brought forward. And that's why he had relationship issues and he had problems with his children. And so he, here he is screaming with his child. And I also happen to know that he has... Uh, coerced, shall we say, uh, not given a choice, uh, made his, whatever you want to call it, child work for him. When I heard that, I thought, what a nightmare. What a nightmare that is. That is never going to work. Let that child be free to seek out his own employment, his own success, build his own self-esteem, make his own mistakes. Let him fail 
and pick himself back up. All of that has so much value. So you can imagine how I felt. I actually know his ex-wife quite well. And I, I just felt that this child was powerless. I could see him sitting in the car, just cowering, head down. He'd been through this before. His shoulders were, were hunched, and his body language spoke volumes. And you know what? Sometimes children, out of the mouths of babes, even though this kid is no longer a babe, he is 22 years old, but still, it's difficult to speak up. But this child if needs to go and seek a trusted confidant, a trusted person that he can speak to and talk to about what is likely going on in his life. Screaming at somebody is never okay. Keeping secrets is never okay unless it's about a Christmas present. There are certain rules in life and people just get used to it. And, and, and the reason they get used to it is not even they get used to it. You never get used to abuse. And I don't mean it in that way, but they get used to not telling anybody because they are ashamed. So they keep it secret because they think everyone else's life is perfect because they think somebody else has it all because when somebody else seemingly has it all for some reason, it makes some people feel less than it's about having confidence. It's about making mistakes. It is about being grateful. It is about taking on challenges. It's about being the best you can be. It's about being human. It's about being beautiful. It is about being amazing. It is about being the person you want to become, the person you are proud of in as many situations as possible. And if not, you actually can learn from your mistakes. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thank you so much for being here with me. Uh, Going to be talking about a tough subject right now. This week, the world lost a fashion icon. Kate Spade died by suicide. Kate Spade had it all. This is a shocking revelation that somebody who was successful and brilliant and beautiful and was a mother and a wife and lived in New York City, one of the most fabulous cities of, of the world. And so I penned a little note to Kate Spade. I was a big fan of Kate Spade. I, I slung on her slingbacks, and, and I partied in her patterns. And so I wrote, Dear Kate Spade, I found this black patent leather polka-dotted mini iPad case at Macy's in New York City. I was thrilled. Like most of your designs, it was fashionable and fun, yet wildly practical with your signature twist. It even doubled as a clutch once. Is that a Kate Spade, they would say? And I would feel good. Throughout the years, women around the world have carried your minimalist handbags, slid on your sexy sandals, and partied in your patterns. Instilling fun and fashion sense, your plates dressed up our tables, your thank you notes we felt good writing with, your sleek styles dressed us up. Behind the fun colors, lively patterns, and whimsical style, we didn't know your color was fading, your light flickering, your patterns losing their pop. Darkness was setting in. No way out. It's rumored to be relationship issues. Ask Daddy quote-unquote, that speaks volumes. 
Today, women's hearts the world over are breaking. We are wives and mothers, sisters and daughters, friends and family. On one level, we get it. On another level, we never, ever will. Cute, smart, rich, famous, talented, wealthy and whimsical. The it girl who had it all, including mental illness. Kate Spade died by suicide. Mental illness doesn't discriminate. The saddest thing about this story is there's still a stigma. There's even more of a stigma when you are famous and well-heeled. Kate Spade, we carried your bags in hand for a long time. We'll carry you in our hearts forever. Rest in peace, my friend. Of course, we all thought we were friends with Kate Spade. I wasn't a friend of hers just as much as you weren't. But because she adorned us with her accessories and created for us and just made us feel just that much better and put a bounce in our step when we headed out to a party that we maybe didn't feel like going to, or when we wrote just another thank you note and we were able to do it on lime green and beautiful polka dots or other gorgeous patterns. It made our lives easier. Kate Spade, you made our lives easier on some level. And yet your life was seemingly harder than we ever realized. And I wanted to read what Kate Spade's husband, Andy Spade, wrote about his wife's death. He's the husband, as I said, of the designer, Kate Spade, who died Tuesday in New York City. He addressed his wife's depression and treatment and the status of their marriage and their lives together as longtime collaborators. Before I read his statement, I would like to say that his sister, that her sister, sorry, who lives in Arizona, I believe, or, or Mexico City, um, out in, in the Southwest anyway, uh, she has said that Kate never sought the treatment that she needed, and she felt Kate was bipolar. First of all, nobody can diagnose. Only trained professionals can diagnose other people. Um, but that was her perception, and that's what she put out to the world. And so we had this perception, and perhaps that's related to stigma around mental illness, that Kate didn't get the help that she needed because she was too embarrassed that it might garner garnish her brand. It may actually uh, hurt her brand. So here's his letter, her Andy Spade's letter about his wife. Kate was the most beautiful woman in the world. She was the kindest person I've ever known and my best friend for 35 years. My daughter and I are devastated by her loss and can't even begin to fathom life without her. We are deeply heartbroken and miss her already. Kate suffered from depression and anxiety for many years. She was actively seeking help and working closely with her doctors to treat her disease one that takes far too many lives. We were in touch with her the night before, and she sounded happy. There was no indication and no warning that she would do this. It was a complete shock, and it clearly wasn't her. There were personal demons she was battling. For the past 10 months, we had been living separately, but within a few blocks of each other. B was living with both of us, and we saw each other or spoke every day. We ate many meals together as a family and continued to vacation together as a family. Our daughter was our priority. We were not legally separated and never even discussed divorce. We were best friends trying to work through our problems in the best way we knew how. 
we were together for 35 years. We loved each other very much and simply needed a break. This is the truth. Anything else that is out there right now is false. She was actively seeking help for depression and anxiety over the last five years, seeing a doctor on a regular basis and taking medication for both depression and anxiety. There was no substance or alcohol abuse. There were no business problems. We loved creating our business together. We were co-parenting our beautiful daughter. I have yet to see any note left behind and I'm appalled that a private message to my daughter has been so heartlessly shared with the media. My main concern is B and protecting her privacy as she deals with the unimaginable grief of losing her mother. Kate loved B so very much. This speaks volumes. There was also a rumor that Kate had let, left a suicide note, and he actually intimates that there was no note, or at least he has not seen a note. This brings us to other issues, issues around marriage, issues potentially around infidelity. I'm speculating here, of course. They were separated. There are rumors that there was infidelity, and I I do not know that to be true, but we're going to hear those rumors. But you know what? Marriage is hard. The bottom line is marriage is hard. He says they needed a break. They were together for 35 years. Not only did they live together and raise a child together, but they worked together. That makes it even harder. But the other thing that is hard as well is living with somebody who suffers from anxiety and depression for a long time because that manifests itself in many different ways. You can be treated unfairly. You can be screamed at or yelled at. Somebody can lay in bed. I'm not saying Kate Spade did all of this, but these are some of the manifestations of depression and anxiety. People can go to worst case scenario. People can freak out very easily. People can be depressed and not get out of bed for a long time. Sometimes the partner has to hold the bag all the time, and that can be exhausting on the caregiver. So these issues are complex, but what we must do is destigmatize them, demoralize them, and decriminalize them. We all love Kate Spade. We know that. It sounds like her family did as well. It sounds like she had a tough row to hoe. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. The dating game is never easy. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. It's Maureen McGrath. And you know what? A lot of people come to my clinical practice and the question they have is, how do I get back into the dating game? Or I have this particular medical condition and am I going to be able to date again? Is my sex life over? And that's really common for people who have HIV. Well, HIV today is a chronic illness and your sex life is not over. And you know what? I just believe that Anytime there's anything to help people or provide an additional option, that's a great thing. And so I want to talk to you right now about Positive Plus One. It's an app that was created to help people living with HIV to meet other people with the same status. And there are obviously benefits for people looking for a date, but there's also a community element to it as well. And I have the developer on the app, uh, of the app on the line. Christian joins me from the UK. Good evening, Christian. How are you? Good evening. I am very well, thank you. Fantastic. So, Christian, what prompted you to develop Positive Plus One, the app? And the Twitter handle is at P-O-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E. Um, so, uh, following the, the di- diagnosis of a, uh, of a particular friend, uh, and, and establishing with him what problems he was facing being newly diagnosed, it became apparent uh, a couple of months into his diagnosis that 
it was very difficult to disclose and even more so difficult to disclose to a potential partner. Um, in turn, what then uh, what that then brought to mind was you know the idea of creating a, a platform which makes that process a whole lot easier somewhere where you speak to people, like-minded people who share a similar story. Absolutely. We have other dating communities, if you will, other dating apps for people who have herpes, for example, a, a very common, if not the most common, sexually transmitted infection. Uh, some people have said to me that when I have recommended that they go on to a, a website like that or an app like that or a dating community such as that, they, they worry about confidentiality or anonymity uh, because, you know, nothing is totally private on uh, online. So do you have yeah. some of those uh, considerations uh, with your app? Is that, uh, how, how, do you, how does your app, Positive Plus One, address that? So this is something we focused on heavily, um, you know, sort of pre-launch of the, uh, of the platform. Um, you know, I, I heard uh, sort of somewhat horror stories of similar apps having uh, having difficulties in this area. Uh, we have several forms of verification processes, um, uh, and nothing than that. We, you know, we uh, we make it as simple as possible for um, people using the platform to report a suspicious profile, um, and, and we're implementing new um, new ideas um, literally every single month. Um, one of those is being um, you, you're actually able to send a text message to a, a number that the app generates for you, uh, meaning you can text freely as you normally would text, but without um, without giving away your actual telephone number. Um, so I think that's that's something that we're really really working on right now. And then, can that number be burned uh, if needed? Uh, you know, in other words, burned or, so, or so, deleted? So yes, yeah. So the, so the app um, the app generates the telephone number for you. Um, so, and each the individual conversation you're having with, let's say, you know, potential matches, um, it will generate a different number. So you oh. don't get assigned one telephone number. And once you are ready to uh, to delete that number, you or you know, not speak to that person any longer, um, you can just, you know, you can remove them from your matches and, and remove that telephone number. Yeah. And so it's interesting that you're a barber by profession, um, but you're, you know, there's. Um, there is some suggestions that so much great health care can be delivered in a barbershop. Uh, I'm going to be talking about that a little yeah. bit later on in the program. Um, but, you know, so this kind of underscores that, you know, perhaps where we deliver health care or where we create community uh, is going to happen in uh, less traditional places like the barbershop and, and maybe where stepping backward in time. I mean, I don't think a barbershop is ever going to go out of business. I don't think there's ever going to be an app for that. Um, <laughs> everyone needs their haircut. Uh, but it's great yeah. conversation. Uh, and that's in, and great dialogue. And we're missing that yeah. in the world in which we yeah. live, this digital world. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I regard myself as maybe somewhat of an ambassador, um, for the general public uh, in regards to the HIV community. Um, you know, because I am also have interest in, in this area, um, I'm, you know, constantly speaking to people who would probably not know much about the HIV community and educating them on a daily basis, really, um, which, you know, provides me with a, a great platform. Uh, and surprisingly, I've, I have actually um, since had two of, my, uh, two of my loyal customers 
um, disclose their HIV status to me as well, which I nothing, which I knew nothing about at the time. You know, when I first started putting my hair. And you know that's so helpful because there's so much stigma in the world today around medical conditions. We moralize them. We we often criminalize them. We but we definitely mm-hmm. stigmatize them. And so when somebody can go to a, a trusting source, a friend, a barber and share their story, you know, they release some of their pain, and, and especially when they're still accepted. And then when there's somebody like you, Christian Mercer, developing apps that actually can help them to develop relationships, it's nothing short of a miracle. It's, it's really a lovely story and lovely what yeah. you've done. What are some of the stories that you have, uh, that have been drummed up, if you will, or, you know, occurred as a result of, you know, have, are there people who have met one another who may not have met other, uh, somebody else uh, yeah, under different I think, circumstances? Um, I think that the main thing I always uh, tend to keep in mind when, when thinking uh, around HIV, another such uh, sort of status is, um, is, you know, HIV may be um, a person's condi- um, you know, condition, but it's definitely on their own terms. Um, and it is very manageable um, in, in this day and age with, you know, with the advantage in um, in medicine, um, you know, I speak to, um, I, I try to speak to and gain feedback from my users as often as possible, um, which is why we're now edging more towards the social community side in order to, um, you know, create a more uh, rounded platform which provides not only a dating service but a, a service where you can take a, a plus one to an event or a, a local community event or. Um, and, you know, the, if you read through some of the profiles uh, of people who've already joined, you can see that um, it really is heartfelt uh, and they really are, um, really are grateful for a platform of this type. Um, because you're forging that, friendships that, as well? Yeah, of course, yeah. It, it, we're built, we're, we build, help to build relationships of any kind, whether yeah. that be, uh, a, you know, a, a friendship or, or a romantic relationship. Um, but, you know, it's, it's great. It's great to hear. It's great to read. I constantly get emails from users saying, thank you. I can't wait to find, um, you know, I can't wait to find some new friends. I can't wait to find a potential partner. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. It's really, it makes me feel fantastic as well when I receive those emails. It, it, is, it is wonderful. It's tremendous work. And, you know, loneliness is a global problem. And you're doing your part, Christian, to... Uh, to prevent that loneliness, to prevent, to promote relationships, to promote connection in an otherwise disconnected world. So for that, I thank you so much. Christian Mercer, developer of Positive Plus One. Uh, On Twitter, do you want to give me the Twitter handle again, please? Yeah, the Twitter handle is POZ plus one, P-L-U-S-O-N-E. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining the Sunday Night Health Show. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. It is always my pleasure to be here with you. You know, recently, I, uh, a friend of mine and I noticed that another friend of ours was struggling. She was struggling with life, a little bit overwhelmed. She was having some relationship issues. She was having financial issues of a very strange kind. Uh, she was actually... Uh, supporting her boyfriend financially, significantly. He wasn't contributing at all to anything. He was not, he was living with her. 
He had no home of his own. He was living with her and her four children. That's kind of stressful. Anyway, got rid of one, bring in another. Uh, she's working full time. She travels extensively. And her kids are, you know, under the age of 14. So they are extremely busy ages. She travels a lot. She's uh, uh, got a big, jo- big job. She has her own company. And uh, so we noticed that she was, you know, depleted. She wasn't sort of turning up to things. She was saying she was feeling nauseous. She was having physical symptoms. She was absolutely exhausted. So we decided to hold an intervention. Inter. So we went intervention, I-N-T-H-E-R-V-E-N-T-I-O-N. So we said, we're holding an intervention for you. And she laughed and, and I said, we're coming over. So I said to my other friend, should we bring uh, wine and sushi or shall we bring tea and cakes? And my friend said, tea and cakes. I concurred. So uh, fortunately, we did bring tea and cakes because she actually had elevated liver enzymes. <laughs> so you shouldn't be drinking alcohol if you have ele- elevated liver enzymes. Just a little public service announcement out there for you. And you know what? Uh, if you happen to know, don't be running out to your doctor to get your LFTs done, your liver function tests. Anyway, um, so we held this intervention. We brought over some flowers and some cakes and tea, calming tea, and uh, all these beautiful cakes. And and so we actually, (laughs) this is not going to sound good, but we actually, she was so exhausted, we got into her bed. (laughs) She took a photograph. I hope she doesn't post it on Instagram. Anyway, we got into her bed and we just started chatting. And we started talking about some of the decisions that she had made, how she got to where she got to, holding up the proverbial mirror for herself. You know, why was it financial security meant everything to her, yet she was continuously sabotaging it in all of her relationships. She somehow always ended up with men who couldn't support themselves or, or couldn't contribute financially. And then she was getting resentful. And then, you know, somehow things were being twisted. And then it was like he kind of said you owe me money and we're like yeah no like it's this is simple math and and so you know we basically validated some of her feelings and, and you know to her good grace and honor she said you know this is just my side of the story you should probably really hear his yeah really no uh, no I'm kidding of course there's always two sides to a story but I do know her and um uh and I I know him a bit <laughs> And uh, my hackles are up, let me just say. No, no, my antenna was up slightly, only slightly. But nonetheless, you have to work out these problems. Uh, it's it's important to work out the problems if you have somebody who's having difficulty in life, and you know that. You know what? Offer yourself in confidence, of course, you know. Okay, so I've said the three of us were in bed together, but, you know, we, we were all exhausted, quite frankly. And um, we laughed and, you know... She cried. We shared our stories about, you know, difficult times in our life. And, and you know what? It was, it was a couple of hours out of our day, and, and that was it. And, and, you know, I think it was really um, productive, and I'm glad I did it, until I saw the photograph that she took of us. But aside from that, um, but one thing that struck me, here she is, a very busy woman, and we were talking about her elevated LFTs, and she was like, oh, I don't know what it could be, and I'm feeling, you know... And um, so badly and, you know, she was embarrassed and she needed to have further testing and she didn't want to. And you know what? And I said, listen, you're lucky. Canadians born between 1945 and 1975 should be tested for the potentially liver destroying virus hepatitis C. 
is what a new set of guidelines recommends. We have a quarter of a million Canadians that are believed to be infected with hepatitis C, but an estimated 40 to 70 percent are unaware they harbor this blood-borne virus because it can take decades before symptoms become evident. So perhaps she's having some of those symptoms like fatigue and that that sense of being depleted, feeling like she has the flu. Um, You know, there's so many uh, just sort of vague symptoms that that people can get. And you know what? You can chalk it up to busy woman, busy mother, busy uh, partner syndrome. But you know what? It might just be hepatitis C. The Canadian Association for the Study of the Liver, a national group of healthcare providers and researchers, published its guidelines on testing and treating hepatitis C in this week's edition of the CMAG. And a key recommendation is that people be tested based on their age, not only possible risk factors. And this uh, is the recommendation of Dr. Jordan Field, who is a liver specialist at Toronto's University Health Network and a co-author of the guidelines. And so the reason they've done this is because somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of people with hepatitis C were born between 1945 and 1975 in Canada. So my recommendation for you is, if you were born between 1945 and 1975 in Canada, get tested for hepatitis C. It is a simple blood test. It's the same way as, well, it's a slightly different, but it's as simple as getting your blood pressure checked or having a cholesterol check. And also, those are based on age. So is colonoscopy. So if you were born between 1945 and 1975, you are at higher risk. And this way, they hope to diagnose the vast majority of people who are living with hepatitis C because it can cause symptoms. And once it gets too, you know, too far gone, like you're jaundiced or skin is yellow, your eyes are yellow, that's a different story. So it's very important that you get screened. And the if the cost of screening, which is minimal, and treatment would actually have a dramatic impact on healthcare budgets to the tune of, get this, $1.5 billion. That's in, uh, that's the equivalent for 2016. And the people are nervous that they may not get timely access to treatment, but especially those people who are have a chronic infection, there is a cure for these, uh, for hepatitis C, okay? So the other thing I want to say is that there are people who are at high risk, and if you have this, also, you need to be tested. If you engage in IV drug use with, and you share needles, I think even if you're engaged in IV drug use, you need to get tested for hepatitis C. There's community resources out there that will test you. If you have had a tattoo or body piercing with unsterile equipment, and I'm going to change that to if you've had a tattoo or a body piercing, because I'm not sure that little mom and pop shops or tattoo artists actually understand autoclaving and sterile technique. That's something that trained healthcare professionals have. So let me say, all you tattoo lovers out there, please, or body piercers, please, which is me anyway, <laughs> um, body piercers, please do. Um, get tested for hepatitis C. If you have had unprotected sex with multiple partners, you are at risk for hepatitis C. Or if you have received a blood transfusion, blood product, or an organ transplant prior to 1992, you're at risk as well. But the biggest thing today is if you are none of those but born between 1945 and 1975, you need to be screened for hepatitis C virus or HCV 
It's an inexpensive blood test. Most people are exposed to the virus, are able to clear the infection, but some people are certainly are not. And you know what? If we do this, if we get tested early and get early treatment, there's a potential to eliminate hepatitis C by the year 2030. Now, there are vaccines for hepatitis A and B, which is why uh, you don't need to be tested for those. Those are typically taken care of. So hopefully the anti-vaxxers do have protection against hepatitis A and B. Now, I will say that the majority of cases, and I see this in my work because I work in the corrections um, industry, in the corrections field, the majority of new cases are in people who inject drugs or in prison populations, but you certainly can have it in other populations. And so, you know what? 1945, 1975, get tested. Nothing to be afraid of. Better to know and get treated early than live with something like this. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.